0: Everybody so Everybody Good thing about doing comedy in Russia you have captured the audience. You're stupid.
1: Everybody's so
0: stupid. Comedy history 101. I love like to put my around your son, young and old. <laughs> you know, mom don't like old men. <laughs> you know, anytime you see me with my arms around an old man, I'm holding him for the police. <laughs> And that, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the comedy of the
1: legendary Moms Mabley. And this, uh, if you're wondering, is uh, another episode of our amazing, award-winning podcast, Comedy History 101, where we talk about the history of comedy. And with me, as always, is Scott Kalanicko. Hello, Harmon. There we go. I'm yeah, glad to see robot. we've grown out of the robot. Force. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. So, but the thing I have to I would say that, um, like, if we call ourselves award winning, we'd have to, like, you know, actually prove that at one point. But what the, a marketing trick would be to do is you could just say we're industry leading. Ah, industry leading? Yeah, industry leading. Or,
1: or, or uh, critically acclaimed.
2: Yeah, because we got
1: we got the one good comment.
2: Yeah, okay. That's, so we, why don't we just say that? Critically acclaimed. Critically acclaimed podcast.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so Scott, when you hear the name Mom's Mably,
2: what comes to mind? Um, Mom's Mabley, uh kind of like your grandma, but with no teeth. On the show, uh, telling some raunchy jokes, like the kind of the uh, the raunchy older lady.
1: Yeah, yeah. So anyways, uh Moms Mabley, uh amazing enough, has so many firsts as a comedian. Um her her career uh, spanned over 50 years. Uh she was the first successful female stand-up comedian. Um, Again, her career spanned over 50 years. Also, the first woman comic to play the Apollo Theater in 1930. The first woman comedian to headline Carnegie Hall in 1962. Um, She recorded like 20 comedy albums in her career. Also, the oldest person to have a top 40 hit, uh, which was Abraham, Martin, and John which peaked at number 35 in 1969 when she was 75 years old, uh, the first openly gay comedian. Um, But most importantly, she uh, bridged the gap between old-school vaudeville comedy
0: and modern stand-up comedy. For the benefit of some of you children now that don't know Mom, that's the name, Mom. M-O-M frontwards, M-O-M backwards, upside down W-O-W. Wow.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I would like to I do have one bone to pick It's not really a bone, it's just a historical discrepancy I noticed uh, like her sure. so, so her her hit uh, Abraham Martin and John. Uh, so if you'll see it and people can go to the website and we'll we'll link this up on there. There's a clip of her singing this on the Merv Griffith show
0: from 1969. Has anybody here Seen my old friend John.
1: And also on, on Playboy After Dark.
2: Okay, all right, I love it. He that.
1: sang it as well.
2: Yeah. but here's <laughs> Which is
1: weird. A, a weird show. Not to yeah. digress,
2: but that it should, was like... That could be a whole... Not- Dude, I watched Deep Purple on there. It was good.
1: Yeah, I went, yeah Sammy Davis Jr. was on there a lot.
2: Yeah. We should do And also whole... Jerry Lewis. Yeah, we'll have to do that. No, that's a whole nother podcast. We should definitely do one about the Playboy After Dark. We will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. One thing, so the, the point I was making was that uh, on her cover of Abraham, Martin, and John, uh, when uh, Merv Griffith, on that, on that show, like here in their notes, and I know I've seen this in a couple places, it said it was number 35, but on the Merv Griffith show clip, he says it's number two. Uh,
1: yeah, that's weird. I think maybe the comedy album was number one, but um, from what I read, it was number 35, but... Let, but let's just keep the consistent fact it was a top 40 hit.
2: It was a top 40 hit, yeah, for yeah. You, the oldest person to have a top 40 hit.
1: And, by the way, it's kind of a touching rendition because that was another thing about Moms Mabley. Uh, and, again, we'll, we'll cover this a little bit later. Uh, she started in vaudeville, like, in the uh, – I believe, like, in the 20s. Yeah, that's that makes about sense because she was in her 20s when she played the Apollo – and well, actually, she played the Apollo in 1930. So she must have been so, so she was in her 30s. But so she started in her 20s. So that was in the 1920s. But um, where am I going with this one? Um, Sorry, what was the point?
2: I don't know what the I, point was. I, you're just kind of talking about when she got started, I think, which is, you know, all – it's interesting. I think – but, like, her her, uh, her, lead-in story, her backstory is even more uh-huh. – it's pretty – I guess tragic would be the word you could use for it.
1: Yeah. So – oh, so my point that I was trying to make was, uh, you know, she started as, like, a vaudevillian uh, uh, you know, community, like, kind of like a long-form storyteller.
0: And now we bring you that dynamic personality, Jackie Mabely. But between you and me, folks, she'd rather be called just plain mom.
1: But, you know, in the 60s, um, she started just being really involved with the civil rights movement. And then her material was, it was pretty edgy for the time. Not like raunchy edgy, but also just like edgy edgy. We'll get more into that. And just great jokes that just cut to the bone, and uh, uh, let's just talk first maybe about her persona, which allowed her to be both raunchy and to say, like, these really edgy political things. What was
0: that song you wrote? Help me make it through the night. Help me make it through the night. You can make it for a half an hour it'll be all right with me. Um,
1: she modeled her character after her great-grandmother, who was a former slave. And her style was to wear frumpy mismasked dresses. And as Scott pointed out, uh she would occasionally
0: take out her teeth. I never could work with my teeth. <laughs> You're a woman after my own heart.
2: I wonder I wonder if she was doing now, was she doing that when she was in her thirties and forties? Or is that
1: well, well here's something cool, It's like in when she was like in the nineteen thirties and forties um she would be young but be playing an old woman character uh-huh, yeah. which is mom's maybelee and then she just actually grew into that character
2: right
1: yeah sure. <laughs> but uh her, her yeah her style was just kind of like talking this like really funny gravelly voice Uh, and, and she was just like really kind of like clever and wise and a lot of like sort of raunchy humor, which, uh, if you're interested in another podcast, um, we kind of covered, uh, the genre of raunchy comedy she was doing, which was, uh, party records. She was part of the party record
2: scene.
0: And don't let my looks deceive you. I've been where the wild goose went.
2: Yeah, she actually did. Who was it? Um. Here comes the judge.
1: Uh,
0: Pig pig Pigmeat
1: Markin. Yep,
2: yep. She did a couple albums (laughs) with him. Yep.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And they were kind of the same genre of of playing at the Apollo. It was like comedians like Pigmeat Markin. And again, it was like much like comedy today. It was like a complete uh, boys club. And, you know, she, again, was the first successful female stand-up comedian. And, you know, the first female comedian to play – at the Apollo Theater.
2: Yeah, that's not bad.
1: It's not bad, but <laughs> you touched upon this. Uh, her early life, not so happy.
2: Yeah, not so funny.
1: That's so funny. And that, and again, uh, you know, her influences stem to, you know, like, and you can see it, like in Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Eddie Murphy, who in The Nutty Professor modeled the grandma in that movie after Moms Mabley.
0: Mm-hmm. When I was young, I used to always have relations. Every night, if a nice gentleman bring me flowers and candy, take me to movie, show me a lovely evening, then I would take him home and Give him hot, lovely relations. Relationship is a beautiful thing. Like, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Someone have a be and, here? Yep.
1: And uh, Whoopi Goldberg, of course, but like Richard Pryor had um, this character Mudbone. You ever see him oh, yeah, do Mud Mud that Broward. character? <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and again, I went back um, and I watched Richard Pryor do Mudbone. It, it almost seemed like he was doing Mom's Mably as mm-hmm. as Mudbone. Uh, just kind of a you know long storytelling sort of format. You know, you can tell the
0: caliber of a man's show by his shoe. I can see you're going to be on daytime TV. (laughs) And
1: if you look at uh, Whoopi Goldberg's, um, uh, I I believe it was filmed in the 80s, like Whoopi Goldberg on Broadway, when she was a stand-up, which she wasn't so much of a stand-up, but she did characters. um, There's one character that was very Moms Mabley-esque,
0: They got the Diamond Exchange, Van Gogh Museum, the ballet. And in the middle of this long-ass list, I see this name that I think I recognize, because it said the Anne Frank House. And I wondered, you know, if it was the same chick, you know? So I said, I'm going to go check the pad out,
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think I remember watching that show and, and, let's see, uh, being a little disappointed with the lack of stand-up therein. (laughs) You wanted more joke, joke, jokes? (laughs) I wanted more joke, joke, jokes, yeah. Yeah,
1: and so, anyways, uh, Whoopi obviously uh, pays homage to Moms Maybely because she made a 2013 documentary called uh, "Moms Maybely, I Got Something to Tell
0: You." I don't know whether it was the voice, or like the clothes, or just her whole being. There was something about her that just Knock me out and knock me out like when I was a kid.
2: Yeah, she directed it, directed it, produced it, and uh, nominated for a couple Emmys.
1: It was a good doc. It's just a little dated because first. Uh... Now it's completely weird to hear Bill Cosby. Oh,
2: yeah. Okay. Getting
1: insights, you just get a little creeped out. Yeah. And, and Kathy Griffith, who submitted yeah. <laughs> uh, comedy faux pas and, <laughs> and then played the blame game like there was a conspiracy out to get her.
2: Oh, I think – and we did talk about her and comedy that crosses the edge of the podcast that we did as well. Mm-hmm
1: another podcast we've done here on comedy history One O One that you can go back in and check out and we will link to that on words over chair in, in in the blog version of this so um like I said uh Richard Pryor was heavily influenced by Moms Mabley and in a parallel between Richard Pryor and Moms Mabley who was actually born Loretta Mary Akins on March 19th, 1894 in Brevard, North Carolina. Yeah,
2: no, I think, you know, actually, I just realized, I think you were with me. I think we were, when we were in, um, I'm looking, just looking up right now, when we were in, looking at the creepy abandoned tobacco factories in Durham, Ah, I think that I remember seeing something about Mom's, remember that little historical center that we went to?
1: I didn't I like that historical scene. Yeah, I, It I'm,
2: just seems so
1: neglected.
2: Yeah they're so just, happy to have us. It's it seemed it seemed like they might have done they might have mentioned mom's Mabel in there somehow. So that there she you. Yeah, she's from so that Brevard is by it's kinda in the mountains. It's uh down by Charlotte towards um uh Kentucky.
1: Yeah. So again, another parallel to Richard Pryor, who had just like a, you know, a very hard childhood. You know, he grew up in a brothel. Uh, and she was like one of 12 children. Um, her father, who was a volunteer firefighter, was killed when she was 11 when the fire truck exploded. And, you know, like a year or two later, her mother was like run over by a truck. Yeah.
2: But yeah, on the, on the way – on Christmas Day, on the way from – Oh, Christ. shit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't be laughing about that, but that's just – that's how ironic – not ironic, just – we're talking about tragedy. And that was pretty – We're tragic. talking about tragedy.
1: And even worse tragedy, she was raped twice before the age of 15 and once by the White Town Sheriff. So yeah, yeah. just a hard – and as they say out of, uh, you know, she made adversity and, and just a horrible childhood – And turned it into comedy, you know, same way that Richard Pryor did as, but, uh, when she was 14, uh, she ran away from home and moved to Cleveland and was taken in under the wing of a vaudeville act called, did you see this on the dock? The Bobbie Act was called Butter Beans and Susie, no, was... <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the, their 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 signature song and it's great it was called I Want Your Hot Dog in My Roll.
0: I want a hot dog for my roll. Well, here it is. Here it is. I want it hot. I don't want it cold. My dog's never cold. Give me a big one. That's what I say. I want it so it will fit my
2: brain. Awesome. Yeah, Okay, all right. I can see it's how kinda It's
1: kind of like Yeah, the the party records one. What was that yeah. that one uh oh, the woodpecker song.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was just saying that uh, as with the party records there was a lot of um you putting things was hot. things yes, things into other things. People in bed and and yeah. uh, waving um rolling pins and the like
1: yeah, and again, she was part of that uh, later in her life when she started recording albums. She was considering that genre of uh, party records, which you can re-listen to. But uh, she was taken by Butterbeans and Susie, and uh, along with them, she started playing on the uh, Chitlin Circuit, as they called it, which was uh, venues for um, black performers during the era of Jim Crow when uh, they couldn't play at white clubs. And then in 1930, uh, yeah, that's when she started playing at the Apollo. And and, and fun thing, it sounds like so fun. Like during that era, when you worked at the Apollo, you would do five shows a day.
2: Yeah, that was, yeah, it's, it's all about it's it's all about the cycling, man. You gotta do gotta do your shows. Yeah, which is – that just seems so fun because, like, in this doc, they just said, you know,
1: it, there was, like, a – sort of, like, a courtyard behind the Apollo, and they would just play poker. So, like, in between shows, she'd be playing poker with, like, pig meat marking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh. I'll have to set the, uh, the way back machine for then.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and then – okay, so in, in the height of her career – and this is, like, in – like nineteen forties, fifties, she was making ten thousand
2: dollars a week. In nineteen forties money. In nineteen forties money. Oh dear, okay, that's that's pretty that's a lot.
1: Yeah. So Scott, how would you describe like uh like her jokes, like her early style of uh jokes?
2: Uh well she has a um propensity for the younger men. That's kinda like her <laughs> ongoing thing. Um, yeah, so that's another <laughs>
1: first. She was like the first cougar.
2: Yeah, she was. got kind of. Yeah, add that in there. Um, that, and she likes making fun of the old, the old guys. Who, who, though, you might say that she was old as well, but she didn't think of herself that way. She would always talk about her old, her old boyfriends and old stuff like that, and older guys that she would hang around with. I told him the other night. I said, "Let's
0: sit down and have a talk." somebody's got to die because I can't put up the wall. He said, all right, I'll sit down and talk to you. He said, where would you find another man like me? I say in the graveyard. Yeah, like, um, Let's see. Uh,
1: here's her. I think her signature line was "Ain't nothing an old man can do to me except bring me a young man."
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> or, or, or this one, which I I should just drop in the clip was like, um, "I went out with one old man and he died. Thank goodness."
2: Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was her <laughs> thing.
1: And then I think she had this other great joke about uh, she was like at a funeral with an old man and like
0: like. Uh, yes. Why, why don't you just stick around? Yeah, well,
2: yeah, it. <laughs> how old are you, 91? Why don't you just stick around?
0: After the funeral's over, the preacher walked over to him and tapped him on the shoulder. He said, how old are you, Pops? He said, 91. He said, ain't no need you going home. <laughs> so, yeah, that was
1: kind of her shtick, like in, in more of her like uh, early eras. And then... So we're talking about, like, jokes, how she influenced, like, uh, uh, people like Richard Pryor and, and Whoopi Goldberg. But, okay, get this one. I think she influenced a one, Andrew Silverstein, other known as Andrew Dice Clay.
2: Oh, my God. Are you talking about Yakov Smirnoff's roommate? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> um, she would do, like, sort of dirty nursery rhymes. Really? Yeah. Don't believe in them fairy tales in the first place. So don't look for none. Because that Mother Hubbard going to the cupboard after dog bones and things like that, that never happened. Mother Hubbard had her gin in the cupboard and one of them squares. You know how your friends can come in, them chiselers and drink here. Yeah? So she used to tell them she'd go in the cupboard to get a dog a boo. <laughs> uh,
1: a lot of, like, kind of play on words. Like, uh, there's one joke I like where um, this. Guy is at heaven and he's standing at the gate and he's like, uh, What did you die of? And he, and he goes, I had sinus trouble. And he's like, What? Sinus trouble? No, no, sinus trouble. I was with this woman and her husband popped out and he's seen us.
2: Okay, yeah. <laughs> See
1: this. So that, that is sense, you know, like in the very early days, that's kind of like the vaudeville mm-hmm. type joke. So, uh, um, yeah. Uh, After playing the Apollo, uh, she started a few movies like early in her career. Uh, Emperor Jones in 1933 with uh, Paul Robeson, the famous actor.
2: Yeah, that's what I was just going to make a quick point here. But Paul Robeson's kind of been a little lost to history, but he was kind of a big deal back in the day and he was a professional football player. Like I think he went to Harvard or went to one of the Ivy League schools and then uh, started a career as an actor and he was a famous actor, famous in the UK. And then huh? he kind of started speaking out against the US government and uh, US. so he
1: got McCarthy blacklisted.
2: Yeah, kind of along those lines and it got but it got to the point where Uh, I think it was East Germany named him like a, uh, they gave him some kind of award. So there's a street in East Berlin named after Paul Robeson.
1: Um, uh, two points on that. Uh, So he played Othello. That was one of his big roles. Um, and actually, I'm making a video on this. The Soviet Union actually would recruit uh, a lot of African-American artists and bring them over to Moscow mm-hmm. because their whole point is like, look at your, your system and its racism where the communist system is all – everyone's equal. Right, yeah. So the Soviet Union's whole plan on that was to start a communist state in the south that would be a black – Communist state in
2: America, so oh my they
1: were they were courting a lot of, and, and I think Paul Robeson was a part of that. Yeah,
2: yeah, but I, I, I'm, I'm he must have gone right I don't recall off the top of my head, but yeah, I know he did go over to Eastern Europe and stuff. So yeah, that's a little a little side uh, side note. No, it's a, it's good side note taken. Yes, okay, all right. <laughs> then we'll go so, now we'll go back on the path. All right, here we go. Close yeah, the gate behind no, us. Or
1: it is on the path and okay. we just, you know, continue on the path. Okay. So um early in her career she's yeah, that she started with Paul Robeson in nineteen thirty three and then she did two other movies and then didn't do another movie until like later in her life. She in nineteen forty eight she did a movie called Killer Diller. In Boarding House Blues, do you know the plot of Boarding House Blues? Uh,
2: well, I, th- I believe it's one of those kind of let's put on a show movies where her threat yes. her her house is threatened yeah. with eviction, and they all said let's put on a show. And I guess it's kind of a uh, uh, um, an anthology kind of movie with different show pieces. Yeah.
1: So fortunately for them, in the boarding house lived a lot of very talented. Oh excellent!
2: <laughs> oh good, that was nice.
1: So so it works out perfect.
2: Yeah, excellent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um so like we said um you know back in the days when she was playing the apollo she was like would openly uh cross dress, and uh her friends affectionately called her mr mops which is very cool and it's like so uh, on stage she would dress in these uh frumpy like house coats but off stage like she would dress like cab calloway like in smart suits and like slick back her hair and and they said she always had like you know two like beautiful women on each arm so she was like yeah 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 so and it wasn't like any big deal that you know in in the 40s that you know she was like an open uh she was a lesbian it was just like she was just mr mops
2: yeah okay yeah i'll go with it yeah so and then we'll put this on site but there's
1: this great uh christmas card she had where she's just dressed like cab calloway in
2: in, in a men's suit and like doing that in the 40s more power to your moms
1: yeah more power to moms maybe yeah Yeah. exactly here another trivia about her is like there's not a lot of uh recorded material of her for from the first 40 years of her career and she didn't get widespread uh acclaim until like the 60s when Mm. when she in 1962 Performed at Carnegie Hall, mostly to a broader white audience.
2: Oh, okay. Why and why do we know why she decided to start going that way?
1: I think it was just due to her popularity, and also, you know, times were changing. Where before, um, you know, African American performers had to perform on the Chitlin' Circuit, and now it was, you know, widely acceptable to, you know, make the crossover. So basically partly due to the changing, uh, uh, racist attitudes of our country. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, again, uh, tying back to our other podcast, uh, which is what, Scott?
2: Oh, yeah. Tying back to this is the president. Yes. Yeah. So in in
1: 1962, who was in office?
2: Uh, Uh, that was JFK.
1: And Lyndon Baines Johnson.
2: Oh, right, right. He was vice president. Yes, at the time. Yes.
1: Yeah. So who you know eventually signed the the civil rights uh, uh, bill? That aired. was
2: that would be President Johnson after uh, President Kennedy was, was, was with us no more.
1: Yeah. So you know, again, so times were changing. Uh, you know, John F. Kennedy was in the White House, um, but it wasn't until 1967 uh, that she made her uh, TV debut. And this is a great clip. It was on abc's stage 67 where she played a maid in in, in uh, an episode called a time for laughter a look at negro humor in america and it, it starred godfrey cambridge who's a great actor do you know who godfrey cambridge is um
2: that's what i was just thinking i think i've seen what movies was he in um he was like okay uh I I read his uh, IMDb
1: page. He played Idi Amin in Raid for My Tebby was his last role. Oh,
2: dude. Raid on a dude. Yeah,
1: yeah. Idi Amin.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. But he's
1: like in uh, a lot of those sort of uh,
2: black exploitation movies. Right.
1: Uh, but great comedy actor.
2: Oh, yeah. He was in something called – oh, he's in The Watermelon Man, which I've never seen. But he was also in The President's Analyst, which I have seen, which was pretty good. What's that one about? Uh, it's kind of like a conspiracy movie where like uh, the everybody's trying to capture the president's psychotherapist. So it's, it's pretty. Funny. It's yeah. like a it's like a spy caper film, but funny, like a kind of Austin Powersy. Oh, funny. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. That, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and then from there, um, she uh, got spots on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Um. Funny quip there. Uh, we 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 played a little bit of that clip up front, but she said to Tommy Smothers, she says, you know what? I really like your dumber brother." <laughs> and the comedy there is Tommy was supposed to be the dumb one.
0: Now, some of you may have uh, not heard of her yet. She's only started recently uh, doing television, but she's often been called the funniest woman in the world. And after spending a week, Tom and I rehearsing and working with her, we we heartily agree. Ladies and gentlemen, meet
2: Moms Mabley. Right, yeah. I like it's fun. It's funny watching those those clips again. How uh, like clean cut those dudes all looked. The Smothers Brothers.
1: Yeah, but they were supposed to be like in the time the edgy political guys.
2: I know, which is it makes I think that makes it more interesting. Where they like were you know dressing up to look like squares, but they weren't
1: yeah 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 i think didn't they get all like their sponsorship like their ads all pulled because they were too edgy
2: yeah at the end well they got the president got mad at them and everything but then towards their later episodes they started to get a little like hippie i think yeah and head writer was steve martin steve martin and um who else worked on there bob einstein
1: ah super Dave Osborne. oh really oh okay wow
2: yeah and the brother of the brother of albert brooks Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Einstein's
1: their actual real last name. Yep. Exactly. So from there, uh, she did the Ed Sullivan Show. She was on uh, the Merv Griffin Show a lot. And in 1969, uh, she was on. You could. There's a photo of her in that documentary on panel with Woody Allen.
2: All right. Yes. On the Merv Griffin
0: Show. Yeah. Excellent. This is uh, the backside of Mom's Mabley. Uh, her new album on Mercury. I don't think I'll turn it around. Turn it around, Bert. No. Uh, I'm chicken, moms. Uh, but it's a terrific... Uh, stuff you really can't do on the show here. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do it anywhere. Ah. I want all my children to buy my records at all times. Ah, okay. They'll find a place for me. You ain't gonna hear nothing you ain't gonna hear in the street. Yeah. <laughs> And that's
1: when again, her, uh, it was the height of the civil rights movement and their materials started becoming like really kind of edgy. And just because she was like an old lady, she could get away with like this stuff. Did you see that clip where she's like, on with Merv Griffin and Merv Griffin's going. Uh, so he's like feeding her panel questions like, so I heard uh, people have a nickname for you. What is it? And she's like, uh. And she starts out where you think she's just sort of like a senile old woman. She's like, yeah, what's what's the name of that cowboy actor? Uh, and they go, uh, oh, Roy Rogers. And, and my nickname is um, the same name as his horse. What was what was
2: his
1: horse's name? <laughs> and they go, Trigger. And he's like, yeah, because when I'm in the South, everyone's going, hi, Trigger. What are you doing, Trigger? <laughs> or that's at least what I think they're saying.
2: Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's All a
1: right. pretty edgy joke. And yeah. It's, funny, too.
2: Right, yeah, the (laughs) T-word.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then she had jokes about, you know, LBJ signing the Civil Rights Bill, and she did a parody called Glory, Glory, Martin Luther.
0: When I was 24, I couldn't take it no more. I packed my shopping bag and caught a bus for Baltimore. But once in Baltimore, they wanted me to go in the back door. I said (laughs) they (laughs) don't I'm twenty-five I've got hip to the job. I had a coolie pad waiting in Harlem When I arrived I forgot the sting That Jim Crow could bring Thank God for Martin Luther King
1: Oh, well, I think my favorite joke from that era. Um, she did, it's like another one of those, you know, in those genre jokes where people go to heaven and then they're at the the pearly mm-hmm. gates before they go in. Right. So this this guy from Mississippi goes. Uh, 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 so he's like, I'm from Mississippi, and I I uh, I I married a white woman, and then I was killed by the KKK and then uh, then they go uh, oh what wh- when did you get married and he goes five minutes ago
2: Oh my god, <laughs> right.
1: that's a great joke and yeah. again with their like old lady persona
2: no, no I was just gonna say I think she did some kind of like a fake White House album I was trying to look it up I was trying to find it I was like Mom mom's maybe at the White House or something oh yeah at the, yeah so she did an album called at the White House conference which is uh-huh. like kind of her you know, her take on the current events, you know, so she's got a cut on here called Me and LBJ.
0: Just come back from the White House car Oh, I was there, baby, I was there. Me and LBJ. He said, Mom, I'm glad to see you. Look at it, she's right in line. I said, Daddy, I've been wanting to ooze down here for a long, long time.
2: Yeah, a very pro- political
0: uh, woman. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and just uh, really funny too. And she did the album also, uh, Mom's Live at Sing Sing.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: And so she recorded it at Sing Sing, and her opening bit, she's making fun of the warden,
2: oh, <laughs> and the
1: prisoners are just like going, but she does it in a way that's like. Where it's not like openly making fun, but it's like where the prisoners are just dying with laughter.
2: Okay, that's good.
0: But first, children, I want to thank this wonderful man that made it possible for Mom to be out up here today. And that's Warden Lehman. Lehman. Warden, come out here a minute, son. (laughs) for bringing me up here. All of these are mom's children, and I brought some for you. Two of mom's latest album, one called Abraham, Martin, and John, and the other one is called What Generation Grab? <laughs> now, you just go home and put them on your machine, and laugh yourself to death because
1: they funny. Oh, another another great joke uh, in case I can't drop it in. Um, she's talking about she got pulled over by the police uh, for going through a red light because she goes, okay, uh, and the officer asks, uh, why did you go through the red light? And she goes, uh, well, I see all the white people going through the green light, so I figure the red light was for us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just like just great jokes. So, yeah. um and again to wrap up her final movie role, she started a movie called Amazing Grace in 1974.
0: At this time, we are proud to announce the motion picture debut of America's most talented, most beautiful, most exciting, most glamorous female superstar. That's it. Moms Mabley as oh, Amazing Grace.
2: Yeah, which she plays the, the titular character of Grace. I'm not quite sure what the plot was about, but I did watch uh, I did watch the uh, trailer, and in huh? the trailer I did see a special guest star. I saw um, Isaac from The Love Boat.
1: Oh, did, did he point at the camera?
2: No, he's kind of. Like, I, just, I could tell it was him.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Like a, I think it's like a political movie where yeah. there's a corrupt – political candidate yeah. and then she makes a bunch of speeches in the in the trailer i saw right to kind of inspire a bunch of college students
2: yeah i think i think that's it and it's very political e and she's she's and it, it has a few other stars of the era like slappy white in there <laughs> and step and oh, Fet- wow. step and fetch it oh wow yeah so oh and oh man butterfly mcqueen which i was like who is that and it turns out she was uh, she was in Gone with the Wind. Wow. Yeah, she was the and one. Great. End. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know nothing about Birth and no babies. That one. That was her. Wow. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I've never actually watched Gone with its Gone with the Wind in its entirety.
2: Neither have I. <laughs> well, that was my that was my idea for us watching uh, movies like they have to be at least twenty years old, twenty year old movies that we've never seen. <laughs> ah
1: okay that's a that's a whole other podcast that is itself.
2: what it is I thought I was just saying that's a whole other podcast
1: but anyway, to wrap up um where do you think mom's 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 place in comedy history is Well,
2: mom's moms is still with us I think uh anybody who's looking to do the edgy comedy can always look to mobs <laughs> i mean could be coming out as a lesbian back in what nineteen thirty something that's pretty.
1: Probably edgy. in the twenties. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, edgy. Uh, oh, I forgot this fact. Uh, she died in 1975 at the age of 81. Just yeah. so we know that mom still isn't with us.
2: No, 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 no. She would be pretty old right now. So, in might... "Amazing
1: Grace," was she filmed that the uh, year before she died?
2: Yeah. So she was, and she was still kicking it.
1: Yeah. So, what you were saying is, mom's place in history is the Edgy comedy. Edgy
2: comedy, but, like, you know, she could uh, maybe get away with a little more because she was older. It was more of that kind of comedy coming at you from the side, you know?
1: Yeah, it's just, like, a lot of stuff you wouldn't uh, suspect. And it wasn't, like – in. Like it wasn't confrontational. It was like so, like undersell, uh, and it just kind of sneaks up on you that when you think, okay, oh, uh, you know, like that Roy Rogers joke when she's doing panel, it's like, oh, she kind of sounds like a senile old lady. Where's this going? You know, mm-hmm. she's not remembering the name of the cowboy actor, and then it's like, ah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was all part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then again, in place, you know, great. history of, like, great character comedians like Richard Pryor and Whoopi Goldberg and, you know, even Eddie Murphy. And also that bridge of gap between vaudeville comedy and modern-day stand-up. Exactly. Which kind of ties this all together into a nice bowl to wrap things up.
2: To wrap things up and present it as a gift to our podcast listening audience.
1: Yeah, so on our website, words over chair, we will have all the clips uh, we mentioned. You can go check that out. Uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment or two. How hard is it to leave no, a? No, it's
2: comment? not hard at all. Or rate. You know, you could rate us. You rate us. You click, click on the star. I, yeah. If,
1: if you have gone
2: this whole distance of listening to
1: this entire podcast, what just right now? We'll wait. We'll wait. Just go on iTunes right now and just. Throw up a bunch of stars and say, yeah. good, that's all you have to do.
2: Yeah, we'll wait.
1: And we will read your comments on the air.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, just like we did. We, we did will. in our other Give, president. This is the president, yes. Giving you a shout-out. Uh, anything you'd like to plug, Scott? Uh, just know we have a uh, new episode of This is the President up. We have an exclusive, uh, the story behind the yelling LBJ picture. If you're curious about that, we're going to have that up. That will be up this week.
1: Nice. And as always, I have a book to plug. My new book is called Meet the Deplorables Infiltrating Trump America. You can check that out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's now available on eBook as well.
2: All right. So
1: that wraps it up. Thanks a lot, everyone.
2: All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. You're
0: thing about doing comedy in Russia you have captured audience. You're stupid. Everybody's not stupid.
1: Comedy History 101.